What's up, my good people, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Motorsports. I am your host, The Big Ticket, here to talk to you about all things motorsports-related and motorsports-related content in general. One second, because my mouth dry as hell. Mm. All right, so starting off, the main theme for this episode is just going to strictly revolve around perfection. At least that's that's the idea. That was the goal when I when I when I was thinking everything. But who knows if that's really gonna last? You know what I'm saying? Um, now Formula One. My man Lewis Hamilton is now the all-time most winningest, most perfect, most absolute. What's what's that? What's that? Monarch. Okay, at the top of the goddamn pyramid, Lewis Hamilton. Just recorded his 92nd win uh, in Moto in uh, not Moto GP, Jesus, in Formula One. Now, this is history, okay? This is history. Uh, Mike Schumacher had 91 wins. Lewis tied that in the last uh, bout, and now with the I'm guessing Portimao GP or Portimao, however you say it, um, Portugal, the Portuguese GP, he is now the all-time most winning performer driver ever okay and he's only 35 years old so expect way more expect way more i'm telling you, he's not gonna stop until he gets to that 120 130 range that's what i personally feel simply because he still has way more seasons in him um quick race recap is <laughs> just gonna be real 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 quick um whew. max Verstappen went off track uh he came back on had a little contact with uh Sergio Perez. Um Carlos Sands led a few laps uh, out of the race, I think four or five of them. Um but you know, he ain't nothing he he, he ain't nothing compared to the great. Um let's see. Botas was also in the lead at one point in time, but uh Hamilton came through and took care of that. Um Max Verstappen now has consecutive podiums and uh podium finishes and uh Lewis Hamilton is you know as I said the greatest of all time the goat. Uh, now he's perfect. <laughs> this this was the whole meaning behind the show. He's perfect. He had a perfect race. The perfect elements. Obviously not the perfect race conditions because race temperatures were a little off. So they did some something else uh, pre setup, and that was able to be used to um, help out with his tire uh, usage and, and help him get some more grip and some more downforce as he went throughout the race. Valtteri did something else uh, compared to what Lewis did and that ultimately got Hamilton that first place victory. Um, outside of that, it was just an all-out perfect season. Not season. It's just been an all. It was an all-out perfect race for Hamilton with a whole lot of uh, action, like uh, like Pierre Gasly and Sergio Perez. They had a small little battle uh, in one of the laps um, during a couple turns. Uh, Gasly was trying to pass Sergio, but he was uh, defending great. It was very exciting, and it was uh, like very very aggressive driving. It was great to see. And another thing is, these guys, um, well, Pierre was able to get around him on the outside anyway, so obviously it didn't go as, as uh, Perez had expected it, but 
all in all, still a great, still, still, still something great to see. It's exciting. It gives people that excitement that they want when they're tuning in to watch a motorsports race. Now, here's the thing. Sergio Perez is getting punished. Now, he's getting punished simply because of the fact that he is what they would call a, an aggressive driver. But, nah, there, there's some more shit to it um, before that. Now, in the qualifying, Sergio Perez in, in his whole time has not had any type of penalties whatsoever. And now, in this season alone, he's recorded two in, honestly, the same race weekend. <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking astonishing. Simply because now he needs to drive like a grandma, basically. Okay? His first penalty, he got that um, from impeding Pierre Gasly, the same guy that he was battling with in the race, from impeding him uh, while he was in the middle of his uh, hot lap in, I believe, qualifying two, Q2. Um, sim it didn't harm Pierre in any way, shape, or form. Pierre was still able to, um, you know, do whatever was necessary in Q3 and, and, and make up that time or whatever. But what it does is... I guess ignores the rules within Formula One because there I forgot to look into the rules. Jesus, there is a rule somewhere that states he should not have been where he was at, okay? <laughs> or he should have been out the motherfucking way or something like that. And um, he was given a penalty for that. The next, which I don't understand why he was given a penalty for this, but it was by far a section of it was. It was partly the most exciting section of the race, outside of the actual ending and at the beginning, okay? These guys, Pierre Gasly again and Sergio, were going at it for a good minute. Yeah, it was short, but it was a good minute of action, of defending, attacking, showcasing how to really drive and showcasing how to really defend a position. Ultimately, Pierre Gasly was able to overtake by going out wide and then wrapping back around in the front. W. Well, not technically not a W, but he was able to uh, get that overtake and get that uh, position. Okay. Now, Perez was still given a penalty for that defense. I don't understand why. There was no incident whatsoever. They didn't crash. Um, they had no contact they almost did but pierre was able to avoid that and didn't hit uh perez in the back um other than that i don't understand why he was penalized for defending i don't understand how you would pen penalize someone for not giving up a spot okay don't get me wrong like yeah at times like if there was if somebody had lapped them you know, if, if there was a whole lap ahead, like if Hamilton was coming back around to go past Sergio Perez, which wouldn't be the case because Perez is actually fairly decent. Then, yeah, move the fuck out the way. But this is this was in the moment of contention. Why on earth would I try to why on earth would I let him go by me? Simply be, simply because some may say that um, the car, the racing point cause. I think he's from Racing Point. I'm not 100% sure. But Sergio Perez's car is not as competitive as Gasly's car, which is bullshit. But you can understand the frustration that some that that the people in Sergio's team can have when you're going to give some you're going to penalize someone for showcasing that they have the skills to defend, which ultimately created exciting racing to watch. 
not even like from a spectator standpoint, from a streaming standpoint, it became exciting. You get up out your seat like, yeah, yo, shit. Oh, you know, like you actually excited about it and you are elated to see it, but they penalized them for it. I don't understand why. I never will. I'm putting that right. I'm putting that in stage right now. I never will understand why they did that. That makes no sense to me. Now, you have someone who can drive as aggressive as Sergio Perez, who now has to limit himself. Because now he faces a uh, 10 place penalty. What that is, is if you record a certain, it's like uh, in the NBA, when they have five uh, or six, whatever, however many fouls now, I don't fucking know. But however many fouls, you're now suspended from the game. You know what I'm saying, or you get kicked out of the game, and you might have to face a game suspension or whatever the case. Now, with Formula One, it's like this: it's whatever position he gets out of qualifying, he now has to be ten positions back, <laughs> which is absolutely absurd for someone of great caliber like Sergio Perez, and he should not have given he should have he should not have been given that second penalty, and now he's facing this shit. Now he's facing this, if, I don't want to say prejudice, no, that's not the word. Now he's facing this, uh, attack, honestly. This shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. That is unnecessary, and it's quite honestly a little too far in this sense. Um, yes, there were other crashes within the race where people should have been penalized, or at least the team, Sergio Perez's team, believes that they should be penalized. Obviously, you know, fans, we got different takes on that. Like, uh, at one point, they believed that um, Verstappen should have been penalized for when he came back in and had a little bit of contact with uh, Perez after he went off of track, after uh, Verstappen went off of track. That, um, eh. Verstappen was full lock trying to avoid the situation. So, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about that. I, I don't know. But, definitely, I know what to say about this. That second... Penalty should not have been given. Should not have been given. Honestly, the first one shouldn't have been given either. But that is, I guess, that that was definitely against the rules as stated. Um, now, those you know those types of um, things that happen in the actual race where Lance Stroll and um, Lando Harris and all of them had their incidents in the race. Those guys. Some people believe some should be, somebody should be penalized and all this other stuff, but that was just all in the actual heat of racing and, and the contention. That wasn't anything that was intentional. Uh, some of it might not have been avoidable. I don't know. Or some of it was trying to be avoided, but ultimately could not be avoided. Um, that's really about it. Now, I believe Sergio Perez had no knowledge that Gassi was on a fast lap in the first for the first penalty, so I don't know what the situation is uh, about that first one, but that second one was definitely ill-advised. Um, jumping, no, no, we still with Formula One, but moving on to Max Albin, not Max, Jesus, I'm still on Max for stopping, Alex Albin, um, and he really needs to, how, how, how can I put this, he needs to start driving closer to perfection. Okay, and Sergio Perez needs to drive perfectly. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is perfect. Sergio needs to start driving perfectly. And Alex Alba needs to start driving closer to perfection. The reason I say that is, 
Alex Alvin, you may be losing your job soon. Honestly. Um, how it goes is like this. Max Verstappen, well, Max Verstappen and Alex Alvin work or drive under the Red Bull racing team. Now, there's a kind of a problem with that simply because Max Verstappen is definitely grandly outperforming Alex Albin. The thing is, though, Alex Albin is two years in for Formula One. He's two years in. You're not going to expect fucking championship stature out of him. Okay, yeah, you might expect, you know, uh, the ambition and the aggressiveness of someone ill or, or someone ill-experienced, but him to be coming in these 10th, 13th places, yeah, it's detrimental, but it's experience that he's gaining that he can f use further to improve as probably the next season, as, as close as the next season, or as close as even the next race. Okay, Alex Alvin has bounced back and has, you know, showcased that he has the talent to run in that top pack. But I don't, when I say top, I don't mean like top three, I mean like top eight. <laughs> okay, he has shown that he has that type of, that he has that type of talent to do so, but he's still inexperienced compared to Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen has way too much success underneath his belt. All these consecutive podiums as well as, you know, all experience in general, just more years. Um, now, the Red Bull uh, racing, the boss, the F1 boss, uh, what's his name? Christian Horner. It's a, it's a, it's a funny last name. Um, they're already thinking about next year. Okay, they're already thinking about whether or not they're going to have to, whether or not they're going to drop Albin and go ahead and recruit another driver. Now, Horner has said that if he does get dropped from the team, that they're going to be looking into a pool that's even larger than what they would normally pull from simply because now they need to go outside of their zones and get someone capable. And also, they have the whole issue of the engine situation now that Honda has pulled out of F1. So, now they... I don't really think that that's really their worry simply because they could get any team or any uh, manufacturer to supply an engine. That's not a problem. What I think is the main problem is a driver who is going to be able to give them the wins and at least the, the, the placement and in, in, in spots that they want. Alex Albin might not be the best fit for that. They were debating on whether or not they were going to pick up a free agent mid well, mid-end season, you know what I'm saying? Like, right now, there's only, like, f what, four or five rounds left? So, that they were thinking about getting some new, some driver, a Hulk or Hulkenberg or something. Uh, thinking about getting him just to finish off the rest of the season. Don't do that to Alvin. Don't, 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 don't spit on his name like that. Let the man finish the rest of the season. They insist that he will be finishing off the rest of the season, but you never know with some of these management folks, man. They can say one thing but mean another, or they could just be lying straight to your face just to cover their own ass for the time being. Now, you know, there's plenty of times when uh, Albin has, you know, showcased some skill, and. I don't know where his mind is at about all this stuff and all the trades that may be going on and all that. Lord knows. Hopefully, he's not letting that get to him, and he's going to be able to focus for the rest of the season. That would be great to see. That would, that would be a, a fantastic thing to see for him to actually pull through and bounce back. And hopefully, he doesn't get dropped. 
Well, he might end up getting the opportunity to race somewhere else or racing in a totally different discipline altogether. But who knows, man? I hope he doesn't let it get to him, and I hope he actually finishes off what he needs to and finishes off the season uh, strong. Um, nah, I just that's 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 what I got for F one. <laughs> uh, man, hold on. Uh, today I had to resort resort back to the oldies. I just dropped my paper because I did not type up anything. <laughs> I just wrote it down. Anyway, MotoGP, Morbidelli. Had a perfect fucking race. A perfect race. I forgot where. <laughs> At the... It started with an A. I'm a, I don't want to say Alcatraz. Al, Al, Alcatraz GP? Something like that. I forgot the name of the actual GP. But he had a perfect race. So perfect that he is now fourth in the overall championship contention. He's 25 points behind the championship leader. Johan Mert. Now, let's take a quick break from Franco, why don't we? Mert has showcased semi-perfection <laughs> in the point, in the fact that he has consecutively hit podium six out of eight races. That's pretty fucking impressive. I don't know what, I think that's like a, what is that in math terms? I don't know, like 80% of some shit. He has consecutively done well and hit podium multiple times out of the last few races. His race pace is immaculate. He always comes back into some form of contention unless there was a crash or something like that that pushed him out way at the beginning of the race and now fighting back seems pointless. When Murr is able to successfully start and not be affected by the other shit other riders, other riders are doing, he is effective at pushing to the front of the pack and doing what he needs to do to raise the raise the competitive level in the top five to showcase that he honestly is might win it all and to showcase that he can bring a different level of competition to the main stage. That's that. Moving back to Morbidelli. Let's bring that back. <laughs> All right? Now, Morbidelli was given everything he had from since the first, from since, from since go, honestly. His one challenge, Takaki Nakagami, who I will talk about in a second. But, unfortunately, things happen for Nakagami. <laughs> and Franco knew that he just needed to hold on to where he was at and keep pushing and keep pushing hard. That's exactly what he did. And he was able to actually push forward and came away with a victory. No mistakes. Oh, maybe a couple. But no mistakes. Nothing. Just pure focus. Concentration. And he came away with a victory. Props to Morbidelli. That's fantastic. Now Nakagami, on the other hand, had pole position, the first pole position by a Japanese in over 16, in almost 16 years. Or not, in 16 years. What the hell happened, Nakagami? What happened? Honestly, because I'm trying to... You were the favored to win. In poll votes all across different fucking media outlets, 
you were favored to win that shit simply because even by other riders you were favored to win and honestly if you hadn't have crashed you probably would have won not gonna lie now i'm trying to think of how the fuck why how you crashed i think you were going too fast hard braking simple mistake cool going into what i think turn five at the start of the race, you only made it to turn five. Well, made it to turn four. You didn't quite make it to turn five, but okay. I don't think you've had pole position ever. So, okay. It's understandable. It's understandable. I guess that pressure got to you. I don't necessarily know how, because if you were able to fight and do all this stuff in practice and in, in, in qualifying... How are you not able to execute on the main stage? I'm sorry. Yes, I know accidents happen. Mistakes occur. But I thought someone like you would have been able to execute a little bit better and would not have let the pressure get to them. Now, obviously, that's probably a different level of pressure. I'm not going to lie. After 16 years to be the first Japanese to actually have pole position. Oh my goodness, you would have had a victory unlike any other, a celebration unlike any other. It would have been fantastic, but it was a short race for you. Like I said, you were the favorite to win by everyone, riders and fans included. Well, me personally, I was expecting Rins to win, but Rins ain't get the W. All right, because I've seen what Rins been doing. And Renz is pushing. He's doing a little late push for that for that victory, man. Um, and that was unfortunate. And I, I saw it when you cried. Oh, I know, I know it hit you. I knew it hit you. So, like, I don't know if I could show you guys this clip simply because I've said that I could like show clips and all this other stuff. Uh, or I said I might like put clips into the videos and stuff like stuff of that nature, but I don't want to get copyright because <laughs> that did happen in one video uh, where I had put some footage in. Um, but I seen the despair and I seen the frustration and I seen the disappointment that you had, and I know that was definitely detrimental to you. But this is experience. Now you know that, yo, try not to let that pressure get to you. You know what I'm saying? Find your zone. Find your, find that right mindset and don't let that pressure get to you. Yeah, you got 15, 16 riders behind you that want that W the same as you, but you're in the first, you're in that pole position. You're in that pole position. You're in that top spot where you ain't got to worry about no accidents happening, dodging shit on the course. You just focus on having your best race possible. That's what I leave for you, Nakagami. Have your best race possible. And hopefully, before this ends, even though there's only like three rounds left, <laughs> um, hopefully you might hit another pole and you might actually be able to come away with a victory, man. That would be a great sight to see and it would add another winner to, you know, the stage. All right. Now, COVID and MotoGP. This shit is unbelievable. MotoGP has showcased that some of these riders personally don't know how to grow the fuck up. I'm going to compare it to the NBA. The NBA, in order to finish off the main stage of the fucking playoffs, this is basically the playoffs 
for fucking MotoGP. The main stage of the playoffs. Lock themselves in a bubble. Nobody in, nobody out. Obviously, after a while, nobody in. Uh, they no, they let people in or whatever. Um, but through testing and all that stuff. But basically, nobody in, nobody out. Stay with what you have to stay with and go from there. You know what I'm saying? Stay where you have to stay and deal with the shit as it goes. NBA did that shit successfully. MotoGP can't seem to fucking grasp it. Can't seem to fucking grasp it. George Martin out from Masano at that doubleheader. Out. Rossi out for this fucking doubleheader that just occurred. Other riders have to quarantine. Some other rider in Moto3 or whatever also contracted it. And another one had to fucking do quarantine because of where he was in in relation to someone who had the disease. Riders in between the two rounds, in, in between the two rounds of Alcantriz or this MotoGP bout, go home to visit their family. And in turn, possibly risking the rest of their season. Okay, because there's three rounds left. Yeah, that might go across six weeks or five weeks or however the fuck they're going to do it because I don't think they're going to do it one week after the other. These are the final three rounds. You know, you want to give time in between. But possibly risking the rest of their season. Okay. Not to mention all of the fucking uh, the team members that have had some type of um, shit with the disease, some type of involvement with COVID. Whether they had it or came in contact with someone that had it because they leave because they left the area that was designated for that, you know, for that bubble. Okay. What is grow up? Do y'all want to finish off this season? Yes, it's been a long and it's been a long and dreary season. Yes, the NBA playoff shit only lasted like two, three months. Right. This lasts damn near all year. I understand. I understand, but you don't know how this COVID stuff is going to affect the other motorsports that follow suit, or you don't know how it's going to affect you for next year. Regulations may change. New regulations may be added in order to to, to, to reduce the type of infection uh, shit that's going on within MotoGP itself, within Moto3, within Moto2. FaceTime, Skype. They were invented for a reason. Use it. Utilize it. Figure out a way other than going back to your family and risking your health, risking your team's health, risking the health of the sport, honestly, because what? But the, the association or whatever that, that, that orchestrates MotoGP is telling y'all, yo, y'all pushing it with this, with this negligence. Tighten up. Don't fuck up this season because y'all want to see your family. Granted, that's something great to fuck up the season on. Seeing your family. It's not like you're just going out there because you wanted to see the stars or whatever. Or some shit. I don't know. Something. At least it's for something meaningful. So I give you that. I give you. At least it's for something meaningful. You want to see your family. You want to see your children. Your, your, your parents, however young y'all are, whatever, you want to see your family, understand, understandable. 
but do not risk the season. You don't know when this COVID stuff is going to end. Obviously, cherish the time that you have. Either that or I would say, I don't want to say bring your family along with you because that's going to lock them in too. That's going to lock them into that bubble situation as well. But that may be an option next year or whatever the case. We don't know how long this COVID stuff is going to last. We don't know how long the COVID regulations are going to last. That's my two cents on that. <laughs> I, I just had to bring put that out there. You know, um, this is just something that I, I've, I've noticed um, as the increase of riders being involved with uh, COVID and all that stuff has, has increased. So just be mindful of that, people. Just be mindful of that, guys. Now, everybody's looking into this. Everybody's looking towards the 2021 season already. Granted, all these seasons are coming to an end understandable we know <laughs> but now calendars are being made events are being scheduled and they're trying to incorporate spectators they're trying to create different avenues to revenue <laughs> i don't know man but they're going to be designing these calendars based around the ability to have fans based around you know um different events that can uh bring in streaming streams not streaming that could bring in streams that could possibly bring in spectators that could bring in people who can just you know watch and enjoy uh that kind of stuff they're also looking to you know stuff that could be more exciting streaming wise that they could put on tv and stuff that will also follow with the regulations established uh and the regulations that may be coming so just look into that, you know, in all in all forms of motorsports, WRC, MotoGP, Formula One, all of them are now providing, you know, provisional calendars, trying to see what these teams are thinking, uh, trying to see um, what these different organizations are going to try and do, how they're going to implement different uh, forms of safety, as well as, you know, exciting uh, events and events that can bring in more fans, more diversity, more revenue, all that kinds of stuff, which I think is fucking great. Uh, definitely have a plan before you establish the actual season. And I think that leading towards that having spectator aspect is great. But you got to make sure that, um, well, you can't really do nothing about it. Because hopefully these people are going to act like adults and actually wear masks and, and actually follow this, the, the protocols and stuff that are set in place by the management and all that stuff of these areas. Um that's all I really got to say about that. That's all I really got to say about that. You know, with uh, Moto America, for the places that were allowed to have spectators, you know, they had areas set up, taped off or whatever, or different markings to let you know, yo, if you were two people, if you were a group, if you've got different settings, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully MotoGP can do the same thing or, you know, have people have the freedom to separate themselves and all that stuff, but still have some type of enforcement of some sort, uh, whether that means limiting how many people you have in there or, or, or something like that. Something of that nature. That's my two cents on that. <laughs> um, shit. That's a lot of pennies. God damn it. I dropped another piece of paper. <laughs> Alright. This is the final main topic right here. Now this one I may have to read off my notes a little bit more. <laughs> but. Racing together. FIA. They're racing together. Or the FIA diversity something program. And a subsection of call racing together have now created a program 
and are now allowing the indigenous people of Australia to participate in motor racing and have their own race team. Okay, hold on. Let me just pull the note because I really do need to read off this. <laughs> All right, yeah, so they're putting an indigenous racing team on track. All right, they have spent years thinking about it, but now they finally have the opportunity to create and actually do this system, do this program, which I find is wonderful. Y'all know I'm all about the inclusion, and I can't wait to see this shit go down. Now, it's a, uh, it's the, the the first steps of it have now, you know, have 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 actually been uh, done. They've now done the selection process of who, 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 and who. And um, they've actually done also the selection process of who is going to be guiding and mentoring these indigenous people, these indigenous kids uh, to um, to the race, you know what I'm saying? And then to give them that knowledge. Now, this is giving kids, I think, like 12 to 16 years of age, the opportunity to not only gain knowledge mechanically, okay, uh, as in learning the components of a vehicle, learning how to fix it, all that kind of stuff, but also learning road safety learning track safety, and also giving them, you know, an edge on careers that they could possibly have in motorsports. Another thing is they're creating opportunities for them to be competitors, whether it be professional or recreational, and do it in the correct form and doing it in, in the correct way. Now, this is off of Twitter, so I'm going to put the video in here. Hopefully, I'm allowed to do that. I'm going to put the video in at the end so you guys can listen and, and uh, hear about it. Um, if you guys want to see the actual video, head over to youtube.com slash Tyree Waldron. That's where you're going to get the whole clip. Um, that's where you're going to be able to see the whole clip. Uh, or you could just head on over to my Twitter at the Big Ticket 07. I did retweet it. Um, go ahead, drop it or give it a like, you know, or whatever. Um, but, like I said, it's giving the opportunities to give these kids... It's giving these kids the opportunity to engage in motorsports, to increase the diversity, something that you ain't never seen in an indigenous race team of Australia, giving the opportunity to, 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 to actually do this on track. Now, they're going to be led and monitored by people who know they shit, talking about former champions, talking about people who are, in, who are currently racing, talking about people who have dealt with... Um, training and who have trained specifically for this or you know people who have who have the people who have that knowledge and who have the reputation behind them to back the fact that they know what the fuck they're talking about all right um it's said to be done this is said to be done uh for the 2021 x3 circuit xl racing series i now have to look into what that is <laughs> and pay attention to it and actually watch it and figure out all I can about this organization and go from there. I also need to figure out about the FIA diversity thing. Um, if anyone is interested or anyone with, you know, some type of something interest. Yeah. If anyone has any type of interest or anything like that, please DM me, uh, message me on Twitter at the big ticket. Oh seven there. We can actually have a conversation on trying to establish something for people like me. All right, for, you know, the African-American people or anyone. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter to me. I love everyone. Every, it doesn't matter to me. But, you know, the people that, you know, th this is about representation right here. You don't see indigenous. What the hell is that? You don't see. You don't see indigenous. Austri okay, stop beeping. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
but you don't see indigenous Australian, you know, people um, doing those kinds of things. So now you're actually going to be able to see that representation and now it's going to even engage even way more people outside of that spectrum. Me personally, I don't see a lot of me. There's Bubba, there's Lewis. That's about it. Um, I would love to, 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 to actually have an organization made and actually be a part of that creation process. So I'm definitely going to be looking into that as well. Hopefully I can do something. I can do something to just start, get a foot in the door, whatever that is going to be. That is my ultimate goal with this, with this, uh, with this podcast to try and get the foot in the door and increase the diversity and all that stuff like that. And just bring us into fruition, not us <laughs> and bring the, the idea and bring this idea into actual reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I can't wait to see this story develop. I can't wait to see these people, these kids develop and how they're actually going to perform in the actual uh, series. And I can't wait to spend some time in contacting different people and different people of all across wherever I can find them and actually trying to formulate and create uh, um, an organization just like that. But, you know, across the pond. Um, that's it for me, man. That's it for the episode. That's it for the show. Have a wonderful day, wonderful weekend, whatever. If you enjoyed, feel free to subscribe, comment, like, whatever. Let me know. And if you didn't enjoy, tell me what I could work on. Tell me what I can do to make the experience better for you. Now, other than that, have a wonderful day. Peace. There was no significant representation. In fact, no representation of our Indigenous people in motorsport in Australia. So a few months ago, we decided to actually do something about it. Uh, part of the FIA's diversity program, uh, Purpose Driven, and we decided to sponsor a, a pilot program to see if it could work, to bring kids 12 to 16, boys and girls, into motorsport. So we're running a couple of uh, open days, we've had those. Uh, we've picked 34 kids out of that, aged between 12 and 16. Uh, they're spending a day and a half here at Norwell Motorplex uh, under the guidance of people like Paul Morris and Russell Ingalls. And from that, we're going to pick a team of 10 including potentially two drivers. They're going to build a Hyundai XL here at, uh, at Norwell and then they're going to race it next year. Oh, look, uh, to be involved in this program with Monique and Gary Coleman and the team here at Norwell Motorplex uh, and the Indigenous community uh, and the youth of that community, more importantly, to go through this program to find two drivers that will potentially race in the Hyundai XL Cup for 2021 in that racing series is phenomenal. It's, it's a good opportunity though, because I'm taking in a lot of stuff from um, pros like- Thank you for watching this video. If you enjoyed, consider hitting that subscribe button. If you want to check out any more of my content, head down to the description box down below. And remember, you only have one life. Go out there and enjoy it.